when she finally left and I came downstairs and realized that she was gone, the weight of that just floored me. When the fear in my heart digs a little bit deeper And when my faith just ain't gets a little bit weaker Robert Beeson was now a single dad. Within the next two minutes or so, my girls were going to be running downstairs wondering where mommy is. And I had to be able to figure out how do I walk them through what has just happened. And that was overwhelming to me, but it was the beginning of the most transformational journey of my life. Where could I run to? Where could I go? Even when it feels like my world is shaking, even when I've had all that I can take, I know you never let me go. Robert Beeson is our guest on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. Robert's story about being a single dad is a timely one since we're posting this episode just a few days before Father's Day. And then a little later in this episode, Billy Graham talks about another father and his wayward son. The father ran to him and threw his arms around him. God is not waiting to judge you and condemn you. God loves you. He's waiting to receive you with mercy and love. Would you like to know more about receiving God's mercy and love? We can help you with that. Just go to this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. GPS. God. People. Stories. So I was born in Southern California, and uh, pretty early on, I think I was six years old, we moved to South Africa and uh, became missionaries over there. And so I was raised on the mission field from about the age of six to 16, came back to the States after that. And my parents, unfortunately, um, split up at that point. Between his parents' breakup, leaving lifelong friends in South Africa, and trying to adjust to American culture, life for Robert suddenly felt very lonely. He had accepted Jesus as his Savior when he was about five years old, but he hadn't established a deep relationship with the Lord. So he figured out a way to deal with his struggles on his own. I kind of made this internal agreement, which later in life played out to to be something that really was destructive of, I'm not going to be at the mercy of anyone else. I'm going to take care of myself. I was already fiercely independent. And so it started my senior year in high school and went through my adult years of just kind of building up these walls and insulating myself from from having real relationships and including a real relationship with God. After high school, Robert started college, and he took a part-time job at an advertising agency. And in that advertising agency, as in anything that I did, I was just really driven. And so I started moving up the ladder very quickly within that organization. And before long, I was interviewing people for positions underneath me that had college degrees. And so I'm like, I, I don't need a college degree. I'm already, you know, I'm, I'm where I need to be. So I quit college and dove even further into the marketing side of things. Robert had always had an interest in music, so he joined a Christian band in Southern California while he was working at the advertising agency. He eventually quit the agency and decided to start his own music marketing company. And I got, you know, accounts with bands and radio stations and that kind of thing. And so that slowly kind of just emerged into coming up with a marketing plan for a label, a Maranatha Music, that wanted to start a youth division kind of label. So I came up with a business plan and 
presented that and we started and then they decided they didn't want to do it. So I was left with this business plan of how to create a record label that was distinctive and, but I had no, nowhere to do it. So I thought, well, it's time to evolve again. And so I like not knowing exactly what I was doing other than I had had some success in the marketing arena, thought I know producers, I know studios. If I can find a distribution company, I guess I'll just start a label. The label that Robert Beeson started in 1992 was Essential Records, but he quickly realized he was over his head with the new company and that he didn't have the resources to market the artists he was signing. So I sold the company to a company back here in Nashville, and then they moved me from Southern California back to Nashville to run the label that I had started in Southern California. The new owner agreed with Robert's vision of signing Christian artists who would connect with a younger audience. The label would go on to sign names such as Jars of Clay, Third Day, and Cademan's Call. Robert described that season of his life as remarkable, but he also admits there was a darker side to it. My relationship with Christ was so thin. I knew how to say the right things, but I didn't really know him as my father. And so in all of the success and the platinum records and the Grammy parties and the Grammy awards, I became like a kid in a candy store. And so I just pursued every bit of what success in that arena brings. And I started excessively drinking and just partying and and my lifestyle. I didn't do anything crazy and crazy destructive, but I did buy into the lavishness of that day and what people were doing. Now, Robert's quick to point out that his lifestyle was not the norm in the Christian music industry. The one thing that I want to make clear is that a majority and I, I do mean a majority of the people that are in the Christian music industry did not have the um, handicap that I did. They got into it for the right reasons. In the midst of his excessive living, Robert got married. So early in my music career, when things just started rolling, I met a girl at a music convention here in Nashville. She worked in the industry, and I'd met her once before, way back in Southern California, but I just, we had a lot of common interests and we just really hit it off. And, um, you know, it, in my life at that point, I was so reckless with so many things. I just would read the situation and think, oh, this must mean this. And I would just impulsively go after it. And in the same way, I pursued this woman. And um, three months after we met at this conference, we were married. Robert and his new wife continued to live the excessive lifestyle he'd been living before he got married. But that lifestyle began to have less appeal to Robert after he and his wife had their first child. That was one of the first glimpses that I got of, I don't know, just stopped in my tracks and thought, there's more to life than the way I'm living. That this daughter, this being, Zoe, is life. And she just was gifted to my wife and I. And we are acting and we are living like there's not a care in the world. And so I started feeling the weight of responsibility, the weight of my own, what I did mattered. And if I didn't care about myself, I needed to start caring about my daughter, Zoe. I can't waste a day. I can't stay the same. I want to be different. I want to be changed. But neither Zoe's birth nor the birth of two more children was quite enough to get Robert to fully reprioritize his life. I had three daughters, um, Zoe, Skylar, and Zara. 
And each one of those experiences was spiritual to me. But I think the seduction of the industry was just more powerful in my life. And I, I won't say that I was a bad dad. I mean, I was there. I, I never missed, you know, birthdays and dinners. I mean, we were together a lot, but I don't know that I was present because my passion wasn't for my family in the sense of connection. My passion was for what we were building as an industry, what we were building in the company. There were three events that Robert says God used to help him finally shift his passion from his career to his family. First, a friend of his died very unexpectedly. Second were the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. And third was a serious mistake he made in his career. And so these three things kind of put me in a place where I, I started taking inventory of what I was doing. And I started cleaning up my act. I started thinking, you know what, I've got to start taking things more seriously. For Robert's wife, though, his turnaround was too little, too late. She probably, I would say rightfully, was very frustrated with me because I was so ex- living so excessively. I mean, you can imagine a wife at home changing diapers and gets a phone call just checking in. I'm checking in from Los Angeles. I'm at a party at some someplace in Beverly Hills and talking about how wonderful life is and, you know, drinking martinis. And she's here at home changing diapers. I mean, there was a huge chasm between the lives that we were living. And so there was a lot of bitterness that had seeped in on her side towards me. And when I started deciding I was going to change my life, that's when she felt like, you know what? You've had your chance to have fun. It's now my chance to have fun. So, battling an addiction of her own, Robert's wife left the family in 2006. The girls at the time were nine, seven, and four. And I I can remember the feeling of that day, even though, you know, we were having troubles when she finally left. And I, and I came downstairs and realized that she was gone. The weight of that just floored me. And I can remember just thinking, oh, my goodness, this is it. You know, you, this proverbial, it, you, this is that moment where everything changes. And I knew as I realized that within the next two minutes or so, my girls were going to be running downstairs wondering where mommy is. And I had to be able to figure out how do I walk them through what has just happened. And that was overwhelming to me, but it was the beginning of the most transformational journey of my life. That transformational journey began with Robert explaining to his daughters that he did not know where their mom was, but that he believed she was safe. He also assured them that neither he nor God would ever leave them. I have to say that I think it was the Holy Spirit that, that brought peace because I, I'm not going to say that we felt everyone felt good. Nobody felt good. But I don't think anybody felt utter despair. And I think that's the remarkable thing about God is that, you know, he, he doesn't promise to take us out of the valleys, but he promises to be with us in the valley. And so that is kind of what started my path to transformation and realizing that we don't have to fix everything. We don't have to have the answers to every bit of life's problems that we deal with. But we do need to know and remember that God is always with us, no matter how dark the valley. Where could I run to? Robert became involved with an Anglican church that helped him grow deeper in his faith and become more reverent of God. I really found comfort in 
God not just being on a couch, but God being on a throne and how powerful he was and how much of a father he was and how in control of things he was. And so during the solo period of my life, when my wife left, I dove even deeper into that realization and really pursued the idea of God as my not only my savior and my best friend, but God is the most powerful and all-knowing being that he is. With that realization came the ability for Robert to embrace his brokenness, to embrace the fact that he didn't have it all together, especially as a single dad. Life became overwhelming for him. On a daily basis, my days were at least 15 hours, you know, waking up at 5.30, 5.45, getting the girls ready for school or, you know, and then, you know, I'm a guy living with three girls in the house. It was, you know, it's drama. It's, you know, where's my hairbrush? And this, the outfit that I chose last night that was perfect today, I wouldn't be seen dead in that. You know, I mean, it's just like every morning there was a new bit of drama in our house and then getting them off to school. And then I was starting another business. And so like jumping into that and start putting things together for this new business plan and being done in time to get home in time for the bus to get home. And then they come home and they'd have homework and they'd have things that they wanted to do and be driven this place and that place and, and appointments that we needed to keep and um, then make dinner and get them all, get them all fed and in bed. And, and then obviously deal with courts and all the things that are still going on in custody and in, in the legal side of things. It was exhausting. And on top of all of that, there were things like muffins with mom. Muffins with mom is something that our schools do here sometimes in kindergarten or, you know, second grade. Mom's not in the picture right now for the girls because I had complete custody of the girls and their mom had some supervised visitation, but it wasn't possible for mom to go to muffins with mom. And so what do I do? Do I just let my daughter's be there without a mom there. And so I chose to go to Muffins and Mom. And so I'm the only guy, like all these um, soccer moms are looking at me like, uh, you are not like us. But, you know, I just kind of made the decision that that's something that I, I wanted to do, even if it, you know, felt really awkward. And so, and it did feel awkward. That awkwardness happened at church as well as at school. And it was one of the reasons Robert decided to begin a ministry called Solo Parent Society. It's designed to help the church come alongside single moms and dads. And as a church, we have to be about broken people. We have to be about mending the wounds of those around us, brothers and sisters that have been really, really hurt. And not just in an in empathetic or a sympathetic way, but in a way of like, this is an opportunity for you to understand the significant love that your father has for you. I dwell among the least of these. I sit on higher thrones than kings. The angels are my company. But here I am. Robert Beeson remained single for about eight years, and then he married a woman with three sons. His journey as a single parent helped him better understand God's love for him and for every person, regardless of their marital or parental status. What about you? Do you know that love? If not, we'd like to help you learn more about it. Visit us at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. In just a minute, Robert's going to explain how his ministry works to help single parents. 
You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Luke, the 15th chapter, that's the most familiar passage almost in the whole Bible. It's called the prodigal son, but it should be called the loving father. Billy Graham. And one day, his youngest son came to him and said, Father, it's our law that the oldest son gets two-thirds of your estate when you die, and the youngest son gets a third. Now, I'll tell you, I don't want to wait till you die. I want mine now. This young man in Jesus' story set off for the far country, squandered his wealth and wild living. He spent it all and had nothing to show for it. The Bible says he finally came to himself. So he started for home. He was very humble and sorry. The father ran to him and threw his arms around him. God is not waiting to judge you and condemn you. God loves you. He's waiting to receive you with mercy and love. We must turn from sin and turn by faith and we'll be received and there'll be rejoicing in heaven when we do. Would you like to know more about being received by God and knowing that you'll go to heaven when you die? Then visit us at this website. It's findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. Our guest on this episode of GPS is Robert Beeson. He started a ministry to single parents about 10 years after his wife left him and their three young daughters. It's called Solo Parent Society. One of the ways it works to minister to single moms and dads is by helping churches build community with them. Our solo parent society groups are just that. They're facilitated, guided recovery groups that help single parents pull together to process life together. And I think the most empowering thing that I've seen come out of this and the most transformational thing in the single parents that have been involved in this is not necessarily just the things that they've learned, but the fact that they're seen and the fact that they are told that they belong and that they can actually process and walk through this with other single parents. And so I just think it's not a massive shift for a church or for people. It's just starting to be aware that right next to you, right in your communities, there are people that are a mission field for you. You can learn more about Robert's ministry at soloparentsociety.com. We appreciate Robert spending some time with us and sharing his story with us. And we also appreciate your time with us, too. If we're not already friends on Facebook, why don't you look for Billy Graham Radio and start following us? We would be grateful for it, and uh, we think you'll be blessed as well. That's Billy Graham Radio. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. We want to give a shout-out to Micah Tyler for letting us use some of his songs in this episode of GPS, God People Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Even when-